When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, along with Mary Kay Cabot. This is another Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast with questions from our football insider subscribers. Uh, Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get involved in that. All right, Mary Kay, let's start here. We did touch on this yesterday, but now things are official. Things are going to start moving. Uh, Jonathan Gannon did, in fact, get the job with the Arizona Cardinals. This impacts the Browns on on a number of levels because it means the Bengals still have their defensive coordinator. That is significant. Uh, But directly for the Browns, it probably means as you reported on Monday morning that they're going to be looking for a new quarterbacks coach as Drew Petzing is very likely at the top of Jonathan Gannon's offensive coordinator list. Yeah. And I think that's pretty significant. Uh, Kevin Stefanski uh, has been very close with Drew Petzing since they were together for four years in Minnesota, Jonathan Gannon was there for, for that period of time also with uh, Kevin Stefanski and Drew Petzing in Minnesota. So I think it's somewhat significant because Kevin really likes him a lot and sees something in him. But you can't always keep these young coaches because they get better opportunities. And right now, he's not you know in line to be calling plays for the Cleveland Browns anytime soon. And yet... If he goes to Arizona with John Gannon, then he will be calling the plays right away for Kyler Murray as soon as Kyler Murray comes off of that torn ACL. Now, the interesting thing about that is when I did the takeout on Jonathan Gannon, by the way, congratulations to Jonathan Gannon, the former St. Ignatius star, for getting this job as head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. But when I talked to him extensively at the Super Bowl, and I think I mentioned this before, that he gave me one full hour for an interview, uh, that was pretty cool. So thank you, Jonathan, for that. Uh, while he was busy at the Super Bowl, took the time out to do that for his uh, you know, hometown news outlet. So that was very cool. But um, we got into a lot of philosophical things. And one of those uh, was about staff building. And it, it is his fer- fervent belief that you don't have to have coordinator experience to come in and just start calling plays right away. Nick Sirianni called on him to be his defensive coordinator, even though John Gannon had no experience calling a defense. Nick Sirianni liked what he saw in Jonathan Gannon, threw him out there and just let it rip. And and I think that's basically what Jonathan Gannon is willing to do, to do with Drew Petzing. He likes the person. He likes the intangibles. He likes his football acumen. He likes the way he relates to people. So he's going to give him that job and, and he's going to let him go. I mean, I think he will have that job. Now, maybe there are other candidates as well. I'm not 100% certain. But that, of course, then does open up uh, the quarterback coach job, as we talked a little bit on yesterday's pod about. It opens up that job for, uh, you know, for Cleveland and Deshaun Watson. 
So the approach here for the Browns with, with filling, potentially having to fill that job, how much input ultimately do you think Deshaun Watson will have and how much input do you think he should have? You know, I don't think it would be the worst idea in the world if he did have some input. In fact, as I mentioned yesterday, the name Quincy Avery came to my mind. Now, again, that would be a completely out-of-the-box hire, and I doubt the Browns have even thought about it because he's more of a, you know, a private quarterbacks coach guru kind of guy, more so than an NFL assistant coach type of coach. Um, but sometimes thinking outside of the box can can get you somewhere. And I would I would bring in Quincy Avery for an interview. He's been with Deshaun Watson for many, many years. Uh, I think he's been with Deshaun since before he was in college, I believe. And um and he's been, you know, he's done a really nice job with him. He's the one who spent 11 weeks with him during his suspension. And he just knows him as well as anyone. And when you lose a guy like Jacoby Brissett, who's been like a friend, mentor, confidant to Deshaun Watson, I just don't think it would be the worst idea in the world if you had that kind of a presence in town for him or in the building for him. Again, I don't think it's been thought about or mentioned, but it's something that that I would at least uh, explore. Um, so that that's one thing that I would do. Um, but then they've got guys on the staff that can do that job, as we mentioned. T.C. McCartney worked extensively with the quarterbacks in 20 and 21, and he's a former quarterback himself. So he's somebody that I think would be a candidate. Chad O'Shea, you know, initially I didn't have him in my story yesterday, and it's because I kept thinking that Chad O'Shea was going to go somewhere and be an offensive coordinator. And he still might. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, who knows? Somebody might uh, still try to hire him for a role like that. But what we do know is that he did not get the um, the Ravens job. That went to Todd Munkin, former Browns offensive coordinator. So that's another bit of news that impacts the Browns today, that Todd Munkin will now be over there in Baltimore being the offensive coordinator replacing Greg Roman, coaching up presumably Lamar Jackson, running the show over there, and trying to beat his former team. So uh, the Quincy everything is interesting because um, it, like a week ago, we had Sean Payton uh, making it very clear with Russell Wilson that his personal quarterback's coach was basically not welcome in the building. Uh, so I think I think it's interesting when you go down that road, you, you kind of open the door a little bit to, you know, maybe losing a, a little bit of control. But I also like the idea of thinking outside the box and trying to find someone kind of different. And and the reality, too, is when you think about the jobs where that are the pathway to head coach in the NFL, it's offensive coordinator and it's quarterbacks coach. Every now and again, you get a defensive coach that gained some buzz. You know, Brandon Staley got hired with the Chargers. Um, you know, the Texans just hired a, a defensive-minded coach. But most of the time, and this is why a lot of the NFL's minority coaching initiatives are focused on the offensive side of the ball, most of the time that's the path to being a head coach. So I think it's important to note this is a very prominent job. This is a very, like, this is, especially if Deshaun Watson does turn back into the player he was before he got traded here. Um, it's it's a fast track job for somebody if they want it. 
There should be a lot of people who would be interested in that position. Yeah, and and there will be. And and like you mentioned, and like Sean Payton observed in Denver, uh, you know, having someone's private quarterbacks coach around can, uh, you know, it can bring a lot of cons as well as pros. And I'm sure a lot of teams would not even entertain the thought. And this was more so just me thinking, you know, why not at least bring someone like that in and talk to them? But I can see where, uh, you know, it could possibly cause, uh, you know, some issues with, you know, the offensive coordinator and, you know, one, uh, someone being pulled this way or that way. So it has its inherent issues and problems with it. But again, um, I do think that in the NFL, more outside of the box thinking is necessary. I really do. I mean, that people keep doing things the same way over and over again. And sometimes you can, you know, reframe it and try something a little different and a little new. But like you said, uh, it's a great job for somebody. It's a, it's a really, really great job for somebody. Now in Cleveland, not as great of a job as one might think because Kevin Stefanski is calling the plays. And then you've got Alex Van Pelt, who would be next in line for calling plays. And so the quarterback's coach would be, you know, third in line. But if you can really do some great things with Deshaun Watson over the next couple of years, you would open yourself up to other jobs, other opportunities, and uh, you could be sitting pretty in a couple of years. So it's it's an important job. It's a very, very important job. They could also bring someone in, uh, and we talked about this yesterday a little bit, with a fresh set of eyes. Someone uh, who has worked with a dual threat quarterback before and is really, really good at it. Maybe even somebody from the college ranks, right? I mean, you want to talk about thinking outside the box. You could do something like that. So I'm not sure what Kevin Stefanski has in mind, but I think over the next couple of days, we will have a really, really good idea of where he's going with this. Yeah, I think it would be, you know, again, like I said yesterday, nothing against T.C. McCartney. I just I think it would be a disservice to this team to at least not do a really extensive search. And if you land on, hey, you know what, we want to keep this internal and we want to promote, you know, T.C. or Chad O'Shea or somebody like that. That's fine. But I do think this is an, a kind of a rare opportunity, you know, especially coming off a, you know, two seasons in a row where you weren't all that great, but you know, you still have coveted staff members that are getting other jobs. This is a great opportunity to kind of open your doors a little bit and just sort of see what's out there and then see what you can do because the quarterback coach too does more than just coach the quarterbacks. It's, I mean, this is a key member of the offensive staff as well. Yeah. And when you look at what the Ravens just did, they just reached back into the college ranks to tab Todd Munkin, uh, who just won a couple of national championships, uh, you know, with Georgia. Now, of course, he's been an NFL offensive coordinator before here and in Tampa. Uh, but again, sometimes it's out of sight, out of mind. So again, the the Ravens were thinking a little bit outside the box and went went and got Todd Munkin. And apparently, you know, they want to bring some of that. I mean, he's got that air raid background, you know, sort of that college, you know, explosive, high flying vibe to him. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if if the Browns are open to doing something similar. I I don't really know. Uh, We, you know, they've been very mum about this so far, but, um, but yeah, it's an opportunity to, to try something a little new and different. 
Okay, let's take a break here early, and then let's get to some questions about the defense uh, that were sent in from our Football Insider subscribers. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast here on a Tuesday. So a couple of defensive questions, uh, Mary Kay, and I want to start with this question about actually I just hit the wrong button here so I've got to find it uh, let's talk a little bit about Greg Newsom uh, because you know and you put a post up about this and it's something we haven't really addressed too much here on the podcast so um, this question comes from Jay and Canton again as he puts it uh, with Greg Newsom indicating he doesn't want to play in the slot would the Browns consider, I'm going to paraphrase here, would the Browns consider trading him if there isn't a role for him on the outside? You know, right now I'm going to say no. I mean, he was Andrew Barry's second first round pick. You know, you don't want to give up on a guy that soon. Uh, they, you know, they tabbed him in the first round for a reason. They believe in him and you can never have too many good cornerbacks they really like what they have back there in the secondary. And uh, I just don't think they would be open to that right now. They also, I think, uh, would run the risk of uh, a player saying something on social media and, and then other players thinking that they can do the same sort of thing if they don't like what's going on with them and you know, perhaps find their way out of town if that's what they're hoping for. Now, I don't we we have no idea if that's what Greg Newsom wants. All we know is that Greg Newsom doesn't love playing in the slot and he wants to play on the outside. Um, at least he wants to play on the outside more than he did last year, which he was primarily inside. Um, so that's all we know so far. We don't know if he's trying to push the envelope to the point where they say, well, geez, if he doesn't want to do that, Maybe we ought to trade him. Like, we don't know if that's what he wants at this point. So, you know, I think we have to, you know, just kind of wait and see and, you know, maybe get a chance to talk to Greg. That might not happen until the offseason program begins in, you know, begins in April, unless we catch up with him somewhere else. But, um, but yeah, so it, it's really interesting to, you know, to hear him answer N-O in all caps when someone on social media said, are you open to playing inside again next year? Now, as we know, or as some of us know, um, Perion Winfrey kind of put a meme out after that, uh, where the, the person in the meme said like, hell no, uh, to that question. And Greg retweeted that. So it was almost like he doubled down on the notion of like, no, I don't want to do this. So I think he's making his feelings very public about this. And either he's just going to have to suck it up and do it, or they're going to have to have a conversation about it or, or something. But I think in some fashion, it's probably going to have to be uh, addressed in some way. Now, I, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know if he needs to, to go in and have a conversation with Jim Schwartz, uh, you know, not really sure how it's going to manifest itself, but I think this is going to have to be addressed. Yeah, something's got to give here. And uh, that doesn't mean that he has to be traded, but something has to give with the playing time here. Um, and and there's a few things at play, right? I mean, first of all, maybe he ends up being the best option as the number two outside corner. There's no guarantee that Martin Emerson 
can start and play 900 snaps on the outside and be successful. Um, but if they believe that Emerson can do that, then <laughs> there's a problem because you don't outside corners don't want to rotate. I, like I can guarantee you if Greg is your number two corner on the outside, he's not going to want to play half the snaps or 75% of the snaps. He's going to want to play every single snap like most outside corners do. So we'll see. Uh, Jim Schwartz is going to have to sit down and have a long conversation with Greg and figure out what that role looks like. And for, you know, for all of these guys, I think they just sort of have to realize like, if you want to go win and you want to win at the highest level, there's, there's gotta be some sacrifice and there's gotta be, you've got to be willing to maybe do some things you don't want to do. So I, I don't know. I think this was a social media post in February. I don't know if it's going to have this resounding or, or this huge ripple effect that derails the Brown season, but it was interesting. And it is interesting how adamant he's been for a while now that he doesn't want to be in there anymore. Yeah. And you know what? I, I just have a feeling that it's going to be one of those situations where even if he is, almost alluding to the fact that, hey, if I'm going to play on the inside, I want to go elsewhere. I just think it's one of those situations where the Browns are going to be like, uh, no, that's not happening. If we need you to play on the inside, you're going to play on the inside. And we are not trading you. You are you are our 21, 2021 first round pick. And you're here for the long haul. So you have to do what we expect you to do. I mean, I think it's going to be one of those types of situations. Remember when uh, another first round pick in David Njoku wanted to be traded and Andrew Berry was like, not happening. Um, so, you know, we'll find out more as the next you know month or so goes along. But it could just be a situation where um, Greg just has to do whatever the Browns come up with uh, for him to do. Yeah, Kareem Hunt, another one who requested a trade, and Andrew Barry said, and, th- and that was a situation where, you know, now they're at a point where they might lose Kareem Hunt for nothing, but it still wasn't worth, you know, moving him for like a day three pick or some or something like that, or a, a late day two right. pick. So, they, as you've said before many times, these guys don't want to just give in to these trade demands. They they have set a tone that, um, they're. If they have control, they're they're going to do everything they can to keep that control. And I do think, again, until Greg sits down and talks through things with the defense and, you know, you figure out who your new DB coach is, all of that stuff. Um, I, right now, I think this is just sort of a social media story for now. And it's one of those things that you just kind of pay attention to and, and you remember. And like you said, when we talk to him, we'll, we'll maybe get a better idea of where he is. Uh, and where his head is at as far as all that's concerned. Now let's stay on the defensive side. Eric Eric in Middletown. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, what area of the defense do you think Jim Schwartz will want to improve first? Well, you know, I think it's pretty clear that he will want to improve the defensive line first, second, and third. I mean, that is his baby. That is the area of the defense that he's going to really want to emphasize And I haven't gotten a chance to actually write this story yet, but I did talk to some defensive linemen from the Eagles about Jim Schwartz. So that will be coming up in the next couple of days once I uh, get around to transcribing the tape and actually writing it. But um, but these guys loved playing for Jim Schwartz. They really loved it. And uh, and they they think that Miles Garrett's going to absolutely love it. So this is the area that will get fixed. 
I think Jim Schwartz will quickly recognize that he needs an upgrade, as we've talked about, at defensive tackle, and that he needs an upgrade at pass rusher. And and I think he will set about uh, helping the Browns figure out what free agents that he likes. Uh, There are actually a couple of guys that are going to be free agents that played for him uh, that are on the Eagles. And, um, you know, so I'm sure those guys will be some of the first players to look at in terms of potential free agent acquisitions. But that's the area. That is, that's the key for him is the defensive line. If he's got that going, then his defense runs the way he wants it to. I think he did a really good job of laying that out in his opening presser why he mm-hmm. why he believes the pass rush is so important kind of just going over how the rules um the rules of the game have changed and and all of that and you know this secondary is pretty set we we've talked about safety with John Johnson we don't know what's going to happen there but other than that <laughs> you know you add some pieces here and there but you've got three corners you've got a young safety in Grant Delpit uh who, who Jim Schwartz is probably going to really like so you're really kind of just adding smaller pieces there. The big, the big changes are, you know, coming up front, and and not just because you're going to have to bring in some big humans, but also you're just going to have to make some some big changes, maybe to some of the guys you have up there. Yeah, and you know what? They'll have the money to do what they need to do. If they need to go out and try to sign a Javon Hargrave or someone like that. He's with the Eagles. I did talk to him last week. I mean, if you need to do something like that, they'll be able to do that. Uh, And to hear the way these guys talked about playing for Jim Schwartz, if you're a defensive lineman, you want to play for him. I mean, he showcases his D linemen. Uh, He makes sure that they get to do what they like to do. They like to go forward. They like to rush. They like to get to the quarterback. Uh, It's a defensive lineman's dream. So it it will be an attractive job uh, for him to do that. And then I think Yannick Nagakawe might be free again this year. And he's someone that I really, is he? I'm not sure. I'll have to look that up. But he's someone that I've touted in the past and, um, I mean, if they could get their hands on someone like that, even if he if he's not the guy, uh, I think you need to find a, like a seven sack second edge rusher. You need to find a seven sack guy, and they're not easy to find, and you have to pay money for that. But certainly, uh, that's what they need to complement Miles Garrett. He is a, a free agent. Um this off season. He's only 28 years old. Our next season will be his 28 year old season. So um, he's certainly got some mileage left and, and he's a guy that, yeah, he's an, he's a guy that I've really liked too, as, as he sort mm-hmm. of bounced around and, and played in different places. He's a guy that, that generally has made an impact um, wherever he's gone. I didn't follow him a lot this year. I don't know exactly what he did this year, but you just know this is a guy that whether it was in Jacksonville or Baltimore or the Raiders or Indianapolis, um, that this he's a guy that you want on the defensive line. So yeah, he had nine and a half sacks and then yeah. 10 sacks in 2021. Right. I, I mean, he's really never had, I'm just looking through his whole career here. He's never had less than eight sacks in a season. And that includes the year when he played for two teams. Yeah. I mean, he had a really, really nice season. And I remember two years ago, he really wanted to come here. He really wanted to play here, but the timing was bad. He was sort of between agents. He was making a transition and it it just didn't work out for one reason or another. 
And he did not end up here. And that's unfortunate because he would have been really, really good here. Again, he's young. Um, you know, he's still got plenty left in the tank. He's got a great attitude and he liked it here. He wanted to come here and play. And once again, if you know that you are going to be playing for someone like Jim Schwartz, that's going to make sure that you're getting those double digit sacks again, for sure, he would want to come here. So he's somebody that I would target. I mean, if you could add a Yannick Nagakawe and a, like a Javon Hargrave or someone like that to this defense, you would be golden. And I think that's what the Browns need, that caliber of player at those two spots. And and you said it, they're going to, they're going to find the money. I mean, <laughs> look at, look at the saints, obviously they're masters of manipulating the cap, but they're in a terrible cap situation. And they had Derek Carr in for like a week to visit last week and who they may end up signing him now that he's been released. So, um, and every year the saints are in cap hell until they aren't. So, and maybe the Browns can steal their capologist. He's, <laughs> he could help them out of it, but these guys will be able to figure it out and be able to free up mm-hmm. money if they want to go get a guy like Yannick Ngakwe for sure. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, these guys, I mean, it's hard to believe, but as we sit here and tape this on February 14th, happy Valentine's day, everyone. Um, as we tape this, we are only one month away from the start of of free agency. I mean, March 13th is when you can start to negotiate contracts. It's that pre-period that happens before the actual start of free agency on the 15th. March 13th is less than one month away when you could actually land guys like this. So it is hurtling towards us. And of course, we will be going to uh, the combine at the end of this month. And a lot of that business starts to take place right there in Indianapolis at the combine. And uh, so, I mean, it's here. The acquisition season is basically here. And, uh, you know, now is the time when you are making your little wish list and trying to figure out just exactly who you want. And then, of course, at this point, you don't know who's going to get franchised, who's going to get extended, who's actually going to be available come March 13th. But now is the time where it's it's time to dream. Yeah, this uh, 17 week season and the Super Bowl being a week later really just makes it it makes it feel like everything has really come packed because, you mm-hmm. know, two weeks after the Super Bowl, we're we're heading for Indy. We're driving to Indy that Monday. So that's, uh, yeah. it happens fast. And then you get into free agency. It does slow down a little tiny bit, uh, before the draft. But, um, the, you know, once we kind of get through these next two weeks, it's, it's going to be crazy time again in the NFL. Okay. So let's look ahead to the draft a little bit. Bill Barrand from Indianapolis, Indiana, speaking of the combine. Hey, Mary Kay, do you think it is more likely the Browns trade up? or trade down from their second round pick this year? I feel like we talked about this a lot last year, and then the Browns, of course, ended up trading down. Uh, What what do you think is more likely this year for this team? Well, you know, once again, when they don't have that first round pick, any any more swings at the plate you can get, you know, they would be probably more likely to do that. Plus, I think they really highly value – Uh, they obviously value their personnel department and their ability to identify talent and get guys later in a round than some other people have them uh, graded. So I think that right now I would say that they would probably be a little bit more likely to trade down. And I think the other thing to consider and why, why I think why this question is so hard to answer is like, we just don't know. 
if the guy they want is gone, they're going to get out of that pick. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what that's probably what happened last year. The guys they wanted were gone, and so they got out of the pick, and they ended up getting more picks. They got a cornerback they really liked later. They they really pay attention to the value of where you take a guy, and um, mm-hmm. so it's hard to really answer that question because if there's somebody they really like in the second round, and there's a small move up, it wouldn't surprise me. But if somebody jumps them and takes that guy, they're not they're not going to just take somebody to take somebody. They'll they'll get out of there and acquire more draft picks and and target somebody else down the road. Absolutely, and again. These three years without these first round picks uh, are years in which they really need to maximize their opportunities and do anything that they possibly can uh, to get more picks, to get more chances, to get more swings at the plate. Because the more you do that, uh, the better are your chances of landing some really, really good players in the draft. And then you don't have to go out and buy them. I mean, you can get these guys at bargain basement prices on their rookie contracts, especially if you're getting them in the, you know, second round and the third round. And it really helps your cap at a time when you are paying exorbitant amounts of money to Deshaun Watson, to Amari Cooper, to Miles Garrett, to Denzel Ward, to your offensive lineman. So you need to have those younger, inexpensive players on your roster. By the way, speaking of the offensive line, and the investment they've continued. We talked about the Super Bowl yesterday. Um, I think the Super Bowl was sort of a win for making an investment in your offensive line too. The Eagles have a really expensive O line uh, that because it's just just because it's older. The Chiefs line is not expensive, but they really put a lot of resources into rebuilding that after that Tampa Bay Super Bowl. Um, and you saw. You know, on the one side, Chris Jones was almost non-existent. You didn't hear a lot out of Frank Clark. Uh, and then on the other side, this Eagles pass rush that was supposed to just dominate this game, they they didn't. And some some of that had to do with the grass. It was really hard for pass rushers on that surface. But I thought this was a Super Bowl where you kind of looked at it and said, if if you've got a good offensive line, it's it's worth investing in. Absolutely. And the Browns, you know, this regime, when they came in, uh, in part with Ryan Grigson, when he came in with them and had been uh, in Indianapolis and learned the hard way about not protecting Andrew Luck enough. uh, It is sort of the, the wave of the present right now where people are really investing a lot in their offensive line and it's really helping a lot. Uh, The thing that, that I did think about though, too, during this, um, during the Super Bowl was the fact that, with so many mobile quarterbacks now, I mean, it it is increasingly difficult to get those sacks. I mean, it it is. I mean, the more mobile quarterbacks that you have on your on your schedule, the harder it is going to be for a guy like Miles Garrett to get home and get those sacks. They're, these guys are so elusive, and uh, you know, and they just sneak and slip right out of trouble and scramble away from trouble, and. Um, so it will change, you know, it will continue to change the game and how those pass rushers uh, get home. If I'm not mistaken, the only sack in the game was when Jalen Hurts ran out of bounds. Sort of. The yeah, line. There I wasn't like so. an actual, there wasn't like a real sack in that game, which was, no. which was wild considering the defensive players that, that were involved. So speaking of defense, last one here, this comes from Howard in Los Angeles, and he has a question about the linebackers. 
Uh, hey, Mary Kay, confounded by the fact that no one mentions the Browns need linebackers for the upcoming season. In your opinion, do you think they have good linebackers? And what do you think they should do at the position? Well, it's a really good question. Part of it is going to depend on who comes back healthy and when. Okay. So you've got Sione Taki Taki, who had a really nice season coming off of a torn ACL. Uh, You know, you're going to have to see when he can get back. Uh, Then you've got uh, JOK coming off of a midfoot sprain. You have to see when he's going to be back completely healthy. Then you have uh, Jacob Phillips coming off of an injury. So you have to see how he's doing. You've got Anthony Walker, who's set to be a free agent, coming off a torn quad. So most of the linebackers, as we know, were were injured for all or parts of the season last year and are coming off of major surgeries. So I think they're going to have to go out and get a couple of really healthy guys. And I think it's also going to depend on what Jim Schwartz likes or wants in a linebacker. I think that Andrew Barry will work really hard to make sure that they're supplying Jim Schwartz with what he needs for his defense. And they're going to have a different view of things, a different voice in that room than they have had over the past couple of years, advising them on, on what is needed. So if he wants bigger linebackers, he'll get some bigger linebackers. Um, if he's really happy with what they have in terms of, you know, the speed and the the ranginess and, and that kind of thing, then, you know, then may, maybe they'll be okay, but it will depend on those two things. What does Jim Schwartz want and who's going to be healthy? And it, you know, I wonder if that's kind of a sneaky position to keep an eye on in the draft too, because they have, you know, for all the talk of maybe they don't value mm-hmm. linebackers, they've drafted some linebackers <laughs> starting with Jacob mm-hmm. Phillips, but of course, JOK, Tony Fields, um, you know, they, they brought back Anthony Walker after his, his first year here. Um, Taki Taki, you know, he was playing so well, that would have solved a lot of problems. Um, had he not torn that ACL, you could have felt really good about him uh, coming back. But um, that, I mean, that's the big question with a couple guys, it's the talent, but with, kind of the key guys, Walker and Taki Taki and JOK, it's just, will they be healthy for the start of the season? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And, you know, that has to be taken into account because, I mean, in in the case of like an Anthony Walker, you have to decide, you know, that's a tough injury to come back from. They have to decide coming up here fairly soon. You know, as we mentioned, the acquisition is beginning, acquisition season is beginning in less than one month. So what do you do with a player like that? Do you re-sign him with some, uh, you know, some incentives or some protection for the club based on games played and that kind of thing? Uh, He's so good for the team just in terms of his leadership and all of that sort of thing. Uh, You know, he's somebody that I'm sure they would want to keep around, but they also have to be cognizant of the money and, um, you know, and the the physical side of it. So we'll have to see how that goes. But, um, you know, and ACLs with with Sione Takitaki, it was it was late in the year, unfortunately, for him and for the Browns, uh, because I don't know that you can count on him to be himself right at the at the beginning of the season. I mean, that's probably a little unrealistic. Um. So I think they're probably going to have to draft or sign some linebackers. Okay, there we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Tuesday. Those questions all came from our Football Insider subscribers, our text subscribers. You want to get involved? It's cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner 
at the top of the page there. And also make sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen, uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, especially leave us some, some good reviews there. And also make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. Just search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com on YouTube. You will find us there. Mary Kay, I will talk to you later. Sounds great. Sounds great.